0: What I want to do is I want to split tonight uh, the teaching part into kind of two segments. I want to kind of review where we've been and then we're going to sing a little bit in, in view of that stuff, and then we're going to talk a little bit more and sing a little bit more, that kind of deal. I um, spent a couple of weeks going through, um, uh, talking about identity in Christ and what it means to be in Christ and to be a, a Christian. Um, I need the front row to be quiet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do need you to be quiet, but I'm not mad. Um, um, you should have seen their faces. They're like... Instantly, instantly. It was awesome. Um, I've been using uh, these, uh, these boxes in this uh, Rubbermaid Tupperware kind of stuff. Um, uh, Louis Giglio did this illustration with these, and so I kind of took that and kind of, kind of morphed it into something else. Um, we've been talking about identity and how um, what is inside of us is what determines who we are and how we live and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And so we're kind of looking at the gospel in a visual way. And then we're, we're going to start to get into some of the practical things about, about what it means um, to be in Christ. And that's something you see all throughout the, the, old, all throughout the old Testament. You see um, that God was, it says God was with Abraham. He was with Moses. He was with Joshua. There's this, there's a presence, but it's like next to, you know. Um, in the New Testament, instead of the word with, we see, um, we see that it's in. That Christ in you or it is the hope of, of glory. Or it talks about whoever is in Christ is a new creation. And there's, there's, it goes from being like alongside to being like inside. And that's because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so in a visual sense, this is what we've been talking about. Um, we've been looking a lot in the book of Colossians and it talks about the, the old self and the new self. And how we're rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the son, uh, which would be Jesus, and so there's this exchanged um, life that we live, and um, so here's a um, quick review. There's um, there you are when you were born, um, as beautiful, well as hideous as you were when you were born. Let's face it, it's not pretty. Um, eventually, you got cute, but initially, not so much. And so, um, but the thing is that when we are born, um, there's this bloodline that's been passed down from parent to child ever since um, God, what we believe, God created Adam and Eve, and whenever they sinned, um, all of a sudden, uh, they became, like, contaminated, basically, and uh, they were separated from God, and so we have this big God box um, that's over here, and I know this is review for a lot of you, but I really, I would like to get to the point, let me say this, Um, I I taught uh, on Wednesday nights at Parkview when they didn't have a youth minister, and, um, and so I start off, and I was doing this with them. And about the fourth week, I got to the review point, and this hand goes up. And the girl, she's like, um, can I come and uh, can I teach this part? Because I, I pretty much got it. <laughs> All right. She comes up, knocks it out the part, way better, way more concise than me. Uh, I was completely amazed and humbled. And so, um, but I, I want to get to that point with everybody to where, if you one day find yourself in Walmart and someone's like, tell me about Jesus, and you're by the Rubbermaid Tupperware aisle, <laughs> you're like, uh, hey, come over here. Let me show you. Let's go to sporting goods real quick. Get us a golf ball. We'll be good to go. And so um, so preparing you. Uh, so here you are. Um, it says you on it. And when you were born, that, that bloodline that was passed down and down and down and down um, was, was inside of you and, and me. And so when we were born, there's that sin nature that that is, what, uh, that is what defined us. We were sinners. Um, and we were separated from God because of that, because He is holy and perfect, and He can't be in the presence of sin. And so in the garden, that's why He kicked them out of the garden, and um, then they uh, were kind of like on their own in a sense, and He provided for them, but there was a separation that was there. And there's this plan that was launched out to do something about this because there's a sin line that was in us, and then there's this world that we live in, and there's sin all around us. And so... There's, um, with that sin in us and being surrounded by sin, this is what it says in Colossians, it causes the, the domain of darkness, um, separated from God. This will be the, the old self. And so what happens is, like I've been saying, there's nothing that can change this. It's, it's impossible to change. No matter how good you are, how hard you try, how sincere you may be, there's nothing that is going to, to get that sin out of you and, and bring you back over to this side. There's this chasm there. There's nothing that can happen. And so what God did is he, he launched this plan and a he's, he's, uh, long, long time ago. And uh, this plan was, was to, uh, well, it's kind of complicated, but it's really kind of simple. Basically, he was like, I'm going to do something about this, because you can't do anything about it. And a part of that plan was, he's like, I'm going to send a deliverer, a Messiah, that's going to come, and he's going to lead you, and he's going to change this situation. And um, there, it was just really mysterious. Nobody knew who he was or when he was coming, and God started speaking through these prophets laying out all these things, these, these hints, you know, about what was going to happen. And then finally it happened, and um, Jesus came, and everybody kind of thought he was going to be this big military leader that was going to fix this by strength or by power or something like that. But God had this completely different plan. And instead of, of having to destroy us and sin, Jesus became the one that took that sin and took that punishment. And so when Scripture says that he rescued us from the domain of darkness, it, he literally comes in. And we were held captive by sin, and He frees us from that. And so um, it's represented by this. We take, um, take us out of here, and this, the sin, and there's nothing there. And what's amazing that, that God did is He, um, when He took care of the situation, He, it, just this beautiful plan of, I'm going to go live inside of everyone. Everyone that I rescue, um, I'm going to dwell inside of them. And so rather than sin making us sinners, um, Jesus comes and uh, when we talk about asking Jesus into your heart and Christ in you, the hope of glory, there's this little one that says Christ on it. And so he literally goes inside of us. And so this becomes what defines us. Um, I've been talking about this gas can that I have that it's actually designed for water, but I put gasoline in it. And so now it is a gas can because what is inside of it makes it what it is. That gas, that will never be a water can again. It's always going to be a gas can. And that's us, is that sin has been taken out, and now what is inside of us is Christ, and that is what defines us. And so instead of being, having sin in us and being sinners, now we have Christ in us, which makes us saints. And so there's got to be some red flags that have to start going off when people say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And we have to be like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I was a sinner. I have been saved by grace. And so now I am a saint who has been saved by grace. Completely different way of thinking. And what, with the Christ in us, not only it fixes us legally, where there's no more um, accusation, there's no more wrath that's coming at us, um, he's brought us into his family and adopted us as sons and as daughters, but he has also changed us on the inside so that you are no longer what you used to be. And so everything that we want to see our lives become, and we look at the life of Christ, and you know, are like, I would love to walk the streets of Baton Rouge and to go to work and to live with my family, and all that kind of stuff, I would love to live that kind of life, and this makes that possible, that's why Christ in you is the hope of glory, last week we talked about there's this war going on, because Christ is in us, and then scripture also tells us that we are in Christ, and so we go inside of the Christ box here, and then it says our lives are hidden with Christ inside of God, and so we put us inside the God box, And, and so here we are, and we're sealed by the by the Spirit of God that keeps us here, so no matter how bad we mess up, we can't bust the lids off and go back over here. Um, nothing can change this, but the problem is, there's, when you look at us way inside of there, that container is still the same. And so we walk around, and there's this change on the inside that's happened, and Jesus dwells inside of us, but we have this flesh, we have these bodies that, that are still used to that, the way that the domain of darkness worked. So we're still used to self-centered living, you know, and, and only looking out for ourselves, and, and we're, we're used to just doing whatever makes us happy and whatever feels good, and if we have to uh, mow people down in the process, we do it. If we have to stab somebody in the back, we do it, you know, we, so there's still part of that that lingers, and so Christ is in us, and Christ is, and we're in Christ, but there's this flesh, and so there's there's a war going on, It's kind of what we talked about last week, and so anytime God really, uh, anytime I connect with Him and there's growth or there's revelation, and and there's um, these things that, that are going on, um, my flesh resists that. So there's this tension between like everything that's what's wanting to be honoring to God and live a holy life, and then there's a part of me that just wants to live for myself. We talked about this tension that exists, and Paul talks about it in, um, in uh, several of his writings about this war that's going on, this tension that's there. The thing is, if we're, whatever we're feeding more um, is what's going to win. And... Uh, when we talked about this, when we went to Gulf Shores, my good friend Chase Batty had the most uh, amazing thing. Uh, he brought this forward, Chase here. Um, he talked about, you know, the white dog and the black dog, and they're the same size and all that stuff, and whichever one you feed more is the one that wins in a fight. And so his deal, he was like, I just, he's like, I just need to feed my Christ dog. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got to feed the Christ dog. Um, it, was, it, was, it was perfect. And so that's kind of where we were last week, is like there's a war going on inside of me, I'm not who I used to be, and so I'm going to fight for, to live a life that reflects my true identity of who I am. I'm going to feed the Christ dog. A lot. And that's the key. And the older we get, and the more we feed our, our spirit, the more we invest in, in that part of life, and we, de- we deprive our flesh, the flesh gets weak, the spirit gets strong, our lives become transformed, and we start to see what it means about Christ in us is the hope of glory. But a lot of times we feed the flesh side, the flesh dog, sorry, uh, as well. We kind of live these lives where we're trying to feed both of them, and it doesn't really work that way. And we know that it doesn't really work that way. And so when we look at, at this picture and this image, recognizing what Christ has done, has, it's got to push us forward. We have to look at this and say, I don't want any of that. Old nature. I don't want any of of my old self. I don't want any leftovers. I don't want to live. So I I want to live for His glory. I want to be used by Him. I want. That's what I want. The reason why we want that is because that's it's the Christ in us flowing out and saying that's exactly what you want because that's who you really are. You don't want to be a poser. You don't want to be fake. You want to be who you really are. And everything and all this is is a reflection of our identity because of what Jesus did when He left heaven and He came to the earth. And so as we sing and as we look at at the Word, um, as we, uh, like I said, as we go to Walmart, as you go to work, everywhere you go, this this is a reflection of who you actually are all the time. And as down as we get on ourselves about, like how sometimes we we don't break old habits and there's a lot of that old stuff that lingers around and maybe we feel like we fail a lot, um, those failures don't define us this is what defines us and so what we're going to do is we're going to sing a few more songs but I kind of wanted us just to lay that out there and to kind of get us kind of focused in on the, those truths again um, and as we begin to sing I, I want us to, to really sing in light of this, in view of this with all this in mind as we move forward tonight so let's stand up together and uh, let me pray for us the song that we're going to do first We're going to continue where we left last week. I'm talking about taking, putting off the old self, and being resistant to the flesh. We're in Colossians three. We're going to start in verse one. It's as if. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. That's where we were last week. That's feeding the Christ dog. That's um, investing in those parts of our lives um, and not sitting around and thinking about stuff we don't need to think about and chasing thoughts we don't need to chase and looking at things we don't need to look at. And um, you know, feeding the old self, we're feeding the new self. And so that's where our discipline comes in, and um, us having the courage to uh, sometimes uh, turn off the internet or put a filter on your internet or turn off the television and spend some time in God's Word or spend some time with your family. Spend some time actually having conversation with your guy friends and your girlfriends, actually talking about things that are important and not just, uh, you know, can the tigers survive this season, you know? Um, and, and, so, um, and I believe that those things are in line with focusing on things above because those are a way of deepening our relationships uh, with each other and with God. Look at verse 3. It says, For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. All right? You have died. All right? That is dead. The old you, the new you, now lives hidden in Christ with God. Verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. All right, Look into the future. That when Jesus comes back, which we believe that at some point He is going to come back and take us away from this terrible place, and we may be alive to see it. We may not be. Um, but at some point it's going to happen, and this is how we know when, when you look at that moment, we're not going to watch that from afar. It Maybe for a second. But um, we're going to be with Him. So at some point, we'll be even closer than these boxes. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This will be over here. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath ballast, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. All right? And over here, have put on the new self with its practices. I'm sorry, I jumped the line. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Here's where we are tonight. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. As the Lord has forgiven you, so, so you also must forgive. You've got to pause in the right place. And above all else, put on love, Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Through him, what do I mean? Just wow! It's just so solid, and there's so much there. We're gonna look at. We're gonna start in verse twelve. We're just kind of walk through a few of these things. Most of what we've been talking about, um, I would describe as being uh, very vertical. All right, it's about it's between you and God. There's so much has been about our relationship with God and how we relate to Him and how He looks at us and how our identity is new and all that kind of stuff. And, and now we're going to move from having that uh, kind of some vertical um, groundwork being laid to now start, start talking about some of the horizontal effects. And so much of what we believe in at The Ring is, is that about how God has called us to live in community with each other. There's a common unity that we have. That, that this is not only a picture of you, but we could, we could take that Tupperware out. Instead of you, we could put um, us on it and it would look the the same way. That all of us, um, as individuals and also corporately, this is who we are. And so there's a common unity among us. And we're called to live out that common unity, which is putting together, community. And that's so much, uh, so important that we even put it in our name. Um, Joke. Um, We did put it in our name. Uh, But it's, they're kind of identity, and I would say community are two things that you will find woven into pretty much everything we talk about, whether it's on Sunday or in a community group or in the membership class. Both of those things are so, they're so prominent. They're such an important part of how God has put this church together. Um, and a few years ago, I, I was really s- struggling um, with uh, a lot of things about the ring and, and Sunday nights, like things weren't happening. And, and we, uh, at one point, we were, we were over 400 people on a Sunday night um, on Sunday nights, uh, pretty steady one, one uh, fall semester. And I mean, I was like, I didn't know what to do, and everything was just great. And then the next semester, like, not only did the numbers dive, but like the people who were there, there, there wasn't a, a connection that was happening between the room and the Lord. And like, the music was really flat, the preaching was really flat, like everything, and everybody knew something was wrong but nobody really knew what to do about it, and after one of those nights, I mean, there was, it was the elephant in the room, and so I, I got up, and I was like, uh, let me say this before we go. I was like, you know how like, sometimes something's wrong, and you don't know what to do about it? Um, I was like, something's obviously not right, and I, and I don't know what to do about it, and uh, so I just asked for everybody just to pray for me and for the, the elders that we would kind of just begin to get a clue about what to do, and um it wasn't. It wasn't too long after that that, uh, as we began to pray and we began to talk, something. I don't. I, I'm real hesitant about. God told me this. I don't know if God told me this or if He showed me this or, I may have read it. You know, one of those things. Uh, somehow the Lord got to me this message, that community, um, community we think is is all horizontal, but community starts with the vertical. That our community is only going to be, as um, as healthy horizontally as we are vertically. And I, and I, th- I think we, for a long time we have gotten it backwards. You know, there was all this uh, this togetherness and, and these groups and there was all these relationships and, and we were even doing good things together. But everything was, it was all this. It was all horizontal. So we're, our starting point was wrong. It all starts with our relationship with God and that is what changes and matures and um, grows a community. That's where transformation comes from. And so as we began to shift the focus away from living life together and all this kind of stuff, and we went back to, uh, how are you taking care of business with you and Jesus? Because if, if that's not happening, then all this community stuff, we're, we're, we're missing the point. And so even the fact that we would take a, several weeks and talk about that, about our vertical relationship with God, that is where, like, that's the key. And so anytime things aren't really going well with our church or maybe in your community group or, or uh, you go from the, the biggest gathering we have all the way down to your life, a vertical relationship with God is always where it's going to start. Always, always, always. And what happens is the more that we that we concentrate on that and when we focus on that, the more we just invest in our relationship with Him, we begin to see some things change horizontally. And I think that's what this passage is is basically um, getting at, is that your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Like, put off this old stuff and make sure that it is crucified and killed and is dead every day, and you put on the new self. And th- that means that you spend time with Jesus. You get into the Word of God. You Your prayer life is, is amped up. You are... Um, there are red flags of anything that's going to feed your flesh. And you're like, I, I want to feed the spirit all the time. I, I want to stay connected there. And what happens is, as that grows, these things start to happen. You start to relate to people differently. And that's the way this passage flows. It starts off vertical, and then it gets into all these horizontal things. And you start to look at how our, our identity affects the way that we interact with each other. And these things apply to every relationship in your life. And so you can look at this, and, and this can, can draw you to um, your relationship with uh, your spouse or someone that you are dating. This could draw you to your relationship with your kids. This could draw you to your relationship with your parents, to your roommates, um, to the people that are in your community group, to the people that are in this room, in this church. Um, it could go to people who do not know Jesus, to people who don't look like you, uh, who don't talk like you, don't believe like you do. Um, who smell differently than you? Who dress differently than you? Um, these things begin to apply to every relationship that we have, because as our as our relationship with God deepens, our identity into Christ in us begins to overflow, and the next thing you know, you're starting to you're starting to interact a little bit differently. All of a sudden, the boss that that you uh, don't you know, all of a sudden you don't maybe hate your boss as much. You know, you're maybe a little bit nicer to the professor. Uh, at the end of the semester, than you were at the beginning. Um, the roommates that you used to just absolutely hate and you thought like God was playing a mean trick on you by like putting y'all in the same apartment, all of a sudden, like you begin to, you start praying for them for some reason. You start to just kind of love them and you start to understand them a little bit more, and you're like, oh, you're, you're not so bad. And that's what this passage is talking about. It's showing, this is what shows up in your. Community relationships and your horizontal relationships when our identity is something that is flourishing. Look at it. Put on then, it's verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I love that. I just kind of stopped there all week when I would read it. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. In our groups this, this past week, we talked about value, you know, and, and how do we know that we're valued. By God, you know. And do people who don't know Christ do they realize that they are the beloved of God, um, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved? We have to look at our lives and you know, to say, I want to live life as a holy and beloved child of God, not as some little brat. You know, I did a thing one Sunday night a couple years ago about. Just going through and showing like all the brats of the Bible, and you start looking at it, and there's all these people who are just self-centered and demanding, and would just pitch a fit and immature, and all that did was uh, lead me right back to my own mirror. I was like, wow, I can look, find all these brats, and I see so many of the same things in myself. But see, I don't want—I don't know about you—I don't want to live as a brat. I want to live as. His holy and beloved child. It says, because of who you are, this is is what you put on. Holy, uh, I'm sorry, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. I mean, I look at that and I'm like, man, isn't that just the opposite of the world that we live in? It's completely the opposite. I mean, no wonder Jesus was, people no wonder people were just drawn to him. Because he was he was so different than everybody else. Like, what is up with this guy? And we all know Christians who are just like magnets for relationships with people. And you look at their lives, it's because they exhibit these things, and people are like, I'm drawn to you because you're a freak. (laughs) You know, like people like you don't exist. Compassionate people don't exist. Patient people. I don't know anybody that's patient. I don't know anybody that is humble like that. And you may never have somebody come up to you and be like, tell me what's different about you, you know? But God uses, uses that, those changes, and as the indwelling Christ begins to come out and change the way we live, He uses those differences to pique curiosity in people. That's what he does. That's what we do. And as his holy and beloved ones, he looks at our lives walking around. And while we may have some issues, what God wants to do is he wants to, to change those things over time. We want this instant, like I want to be instantly humble. And guess what? When you're full of pride, you don't go from full of pride to being instantly humble. I always laugh at like Terrell Owens, you know. Uh, if you ever watch him like interview like one game, he'd be like, I want the ball. But his wide receiver for the Cowboys. Like, I want the ball. I'm a playmaker. The reason why we lost, I didn't get the ball but three times. And then next week, he's like, I'm just thankful for uh, Jesus Christ to give me opportunities to play and to use the talents that he's given me, and that is all for him. And next week, I want the ball. I'm a playmaker, you know. You don't go from being like completely, and don't, oh, don't tell Terrell. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't need him calling me. Uh, but you don't go from being like, I'm awesome you be like, oh, it's, it's all about you, Jesus. So, you know, that doesn't happen instantly. What God wants to do is He wants to take this ridiculously prideful life and, and have that, that inherent change slowly begin to transform the way that you live. Because what's, what's more effective, all right? You have, you have this great experience, and all of a sudden you go from prideful to humble, and you go back to your family And they're like, "Uh, what? Okay, well, you just had a big experience. Don't worry, you'll be whatever. You'll be right back to normal. And then there's all this doubt. Instead of of having this this exchange with God and then being able to watch your life for months and months and months and months and being able to watch God slowly mold you and change you and, and bring out that humility slowly. God has chosen the process over the instant. And I don't, I don't know why, and I wish that he was more instant in my life. But God's way more, more concerned about the kind of person that we are, and the kind of person that we're becoming, than he is about making this like, instant change in us. For some reason, this is the way he decided to do it, is to chisel away, and to take that pride, and little by little, to knock things off, and knock things off. And then there's humility. You look at all these things, compassionate hearts, I mean, that's, what, that's where he's bringing us. That's what's happening. And I've seen it in this church many, many times. I've seen people go from never ever thinking about, about the fact that we have homeless people living in our city. Never crosses their mind. Not one time. And over a couple of years, and I'm not exalting the ring. I'm just saying like I've been able to watch it in community. To watch people's hearts go from, from not really paying attention to the fact that we have people living on the streets. And, and slowly start to, to be like, to be aware, you know, and then to be like, man, you know, I mean, I I can help, I can help him. They're like, you know, we can help them. There's more of them, right? And get to the point where it breaks your heart to watch people drive by them. It breaks your heart to know that there are so many. Um, I've watched that awareness and and what happens is you go from having a heart that is really just self-focused and all of a sudden God starts shaping this compassion to the point where, you're, you're welling up with tears and you're broken by the fact that there are, are people who don't have a voice in our society. You look around the world and you, you look at injustice. And instead of being over here where you just want to put your finger in your ear and close your eyes and pretend like things like Darfur and uh, all those things don't really happen. Um, now you're like you're buying Hotel Rwanda for people and you're putting it in their hands You're like you need to watch this. We need to go. We need to do something. Something's got to be done. I can't I can't just sit back and let that happen. That's that compassionate heart heart that is being shaped by the Lord. It doesn't happen instantly. It happens over time in this process. And the reason why it happens, the reason why compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, all those things happen is because your relationship with God is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it starts to show up in the way that you interact with people. And you may not see it in yourself. But I promise you, the people who you live with and the people who watch your life, they see it. They may not know what it is, but they see it. And I've watched this church morph over the past you know, couple years. I'm not saying we are where we want to be, because I don't think anybody would look around and be like, our church is perfect. But I'm telling you, more of these things are happening now than there were six months ago, and more than, a lot more than a year before that, you go back in time. You keep investing in that. You watch marriages get stronger. The marriages don't get stronger because, because you work on the, the horizontal. The marriages get stronger because people are starting to invest in their relationship with the Lord, and that's how your marriages get strong and healthy. It applies to every relationship that we have. Let's, let's keep looking. Um, verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. See, over here, there's no, there's no grace. It says, like, uh, bearing with each other. I always think about, about leaving room for other people to make mistakes. You yeah. know? It doesn't exist over here. Over here is where, you know, uh, you're at, like, macaroni grill, and somebody drops a plate, and everybody starts laughing at them and clapping, stuff like that. There's no, there, you take that in, into life, and people mess up, and over here is where you make fun of them, and you talk about them, and you make sure everybody knows how stupid they are, how much they messed up, and how you could have done it better, and, you know, whatever. But as we move over to this side, we start to, you start to bear with each other. You know, you start to have, have some grace with people. You start to leave room for people to make mistakes. When somebody messes up, and they confess, and they expect you to just, like, be like, that's it, we're not friends anymore, this is over with, you're a terrible Christian, whatever, they, they're like, no, man, give me a hug, come on, It'll be okay. Not that we condone the wrong actions, but we don't expect the world from each other. And that starts, it, it starts to happen. The more we get to, to, we grow in a relationship with God, those things happen. It talks about when, when there's a problem, I mean, you forgive each other. There's no, there's no forgiveness over here. There, there's something else, you know. They're saying you're sorry, but there's not, there's not forgiveness that's, that's deep. But you move over here and you're like, man, Jesus got me here, so why would I withhold forgiveness from you? If Jesus can forgive me for all the stuff I've done, who am I to withhold that? See, it affects those horizontal relationships. Verse 14, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We learn how to love. Over here, you learn how to love self. Over here, you learn how to love the Lord and you love all the things that he loves so, again, I, know I'm like, I keep saying it. As the vertical gets stronger, you start to see these things show up in the way you relate in your horizontal relationships. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your, heart, in your hearts to God hopefully that's that's what these times are like for you you know it goes back to us us singing and worshiping out of our new identity to be able to come into here and to have had just the most just the worst week ever whether it's life circumstances or it's sin or whatever to be able to come into this place and know that you still look this way and to be able to sing those songs out of a heart that's thankful And that rejoices and doesn't abuse the grace of God, but embraces it. And the last verse, I I think, sums up everything. And whatever you do, verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. To do something in the name of the Lord Jesus connects to the fact that back then names Reflection of character. That's why you see in the Old Testament, you know, every time some, when they would name somebody, you look at the bottom of your Bible and it says, like, and this name means, you know, the rock or, you know, whatever. Um, your name uh, was given to you for a reason. And people knew those names, like the bookmarks. I used to get, like, bookmarks when I was uh, younger. It would have, like, Joshua and have, like, all the description of what Joshua means. And I never knew that. And every bookmark I had I had a different one, which is always kind of shady. But, uh, but back then, like, people knew what those meanings were. And so if someone had a bad name, I mean, you lived your whole life with a bad name, people would be like, huh, your parents named you that? <laughs> Guess we know why. But to do everything in the name of Jesus Christ means to do everything in the way that He would do it. In a way that is consistent with who He is. Because names and identity were synonymous back then. And so everything we do in word or deed, I mean, that pretty much sums it up, Everything you do, do it the way Jesus would do it. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The, I, I think sometimes we struggle with thankfulness. You know, like God's done all this stuff. How can I say thank you? How can I express my gratitude to Him? You know what the, you know what the best way for you and I to show, express our gratitude to God is? To do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. do everything the way that Jesus would do it to Put off the old self, put on the new self. It's like when people come to me and they're like, "Man, you know, like you're the pastor, and and I, you know, well, I I just want to serve. Like I want to serve you. Like what can I do to help you?" I'm like, "Well, um, you can uh, you make sure your your relationship with God is where it needs to be. And if if it's a husband that comes to me, I'm like, you can uh, make sure you're uh, investing in your marriage, your disciple, and your kids." You can you can pray for your community group and your community group leaders because to me the best way that you can serve me is is to take care of the of the things that we have said as a community as a church we're going to take care of. That's the best thing you can do for me. I don't need you to cut my grass. I love to cut grass, love it. As much as you may want to come cut my yard, and maybe there's some days I would let you do that. I don't need you to serve me by cutting your my grass uh, or or painting my house or whatever what I, the and you do that make sure that's further down the list top of the list has got to be I need you to take care of your, your relationship with God and you know what you need from me as a pastor you may think that you need all these other things but the first thing that you need is for me to make sure that I am in the word and that I am praying and that my vertical relationship with God is where it needs to be in the same way that's, that's how we express our thanks to God where I, can say, I can say thank you all I want we can sing songs and say thank you all we want but it's, it's when push comes to shove and I'm living my daily life and I'm putting off the old self and I'm putting on the new self. That's how I show God that I'm thankful. Because it's not a game. It's not a joke. It's not something we take flippantly. It is the passionate pursuit of our lives. And everything we're talking about, all these horizontal relationships and, and, and the way that we all relate to each other, all that is from the indwelling Christ seeping through our lives and changing us little by little by little. I know we, I say it all the time, but like say, you know, you're starting to talk more like Jesus and think more like Jesus and act more like Jesus. And that's when people are like, All right. There's something real going on in your life. This wasn't a mountaintop experience that you're going to get over in a couple of days. This is the real deal. And so when I read all that, what it makes me do, I read that passage and it pushes me forward. I want to do everything in the name of Jesus Christ in the way that Jesus would do it in the character of Him. Everything, everything, everything. It's not always easy, but He is worth it. Let's, let's pray together.